am so amazed that there are people here to pray on Super Bowl Sunday. Praise Jesus. I told the Lord if I was by myself, I would be here to pray. It will forever be a memorial in my heart. What a day. What a day. For those of you that may just be joining us for prayer tonight, maybe you didn't get to be involved in service this morning. It's a really special day. It's a really special day in the spirit over Redemption to the Nation's Church. And how many believe he released a finishing anointing this morning? He did. I felt it um, all day. I felt an, um, a stirring in my spirit for what God is doing. Even the weight of uh, Project Flashlight and what we just saw, it's all about finishing what God has started. Um, and so today I'm going to, oh, Matt, don't go too far. Don't go too far. <laughs> Come on up, come on up, we're gonna pray. You know, normally we would we might start with some icebreakers and things, but there's just a weightiness in here. There's just I'm just ready to seek the Lord and I'm ready to see him finish uh, what he has started. I wanna speak tonight for just a few moments on what I didn't get to finish this morning, just a little piece, a little nugget of what the Lord spoke to me that I think is relevant for our prayer life tonight. So you are walking into a school of prayer we're just continuing and we're going to continue to keep the fire burning with prayer but tonight we just reminded ourselves I was able to go through uh, the history of some of the words of our church to remind us why we are in this sanctuary tonight and it is because the Lord desires to build a glory zone right here in the middle of downtown Chattanooga and how many already feel that happening an atmosphere shift, even when you walk um, upon the property. And that does not come through prayer. That does not come outside of the parameters of prayer. It comes through prayer. And if I could teach anything tonight, which is what I'm not teaching, it is that this, the word of the Lord will come forth as a seed, but it is fulfilled and manifested through prayer. Anytime God speaks something to you, it is not so you can twiddle your thumbs and sit by and watch. It is so that you can come into agreement with what the Lord's heart is and you can begin to declare it and you can begin to pray it. So I challenge you um, as students of prayer that if you are in a place where you have received words from the Lord that you have not seen fulfilled or maybe you are not walking in fulfillment yet, make them a part of your daily prayer life. Begin to come into agreement with the things the Lord has spoken even that you cannot see. But I'm coming into agreement today and we have with this anointing of finishing and about creating a glory zone in this house. So I want to address this temple being a glory zone, but also your temple being a glory zone. We started this with reset. So put your hand on your chest, on your head, whatever you want to do and say, I am a glory zone. And in order for this building to be a glory zone, you will be a glory zone. And it's not God's heart that this place just be a glory zone so we can come in here and experience the, the magnitude of his presence, which is awesome, and, and just experience his glory. It's to get filled up so that the river begins to spill out the doors of the temple. It's to be a spreader of the glory. But I want to talk to you tonight about something that's necessary for a glory zone. And I woke up 
earlier this week, sometimes the Lord will wake me up early to pray, and I'll be in between sleep and alertness, and the Lord will speak to me. Anybody there, you're like, did I dream that? Did he speak to me? And I kept hearing the Lord say, I'm going to make my bride homeostatic. Now, that's not really something you just wake up to at 530 in the morning without it being a word from the Lord. Now, I am a science nerd. I was thought at one point in my life I would be a doctor, and I love science. I remind my kids, even though they don't trust me with their homework, I got every science award in high school and college, and they still don't trust that I know the answers. But I know what homeostasis is. But I just pulled it up because I thought, Lord, what are you saying? I'm going to make my bride homeostatic. I am going to emphasize homeostasis over my body. And I just want to read what that is. Homeostasis is the state of internal, physical, chemical conditions that are maintained by a living system. And it's the condition of operating at optimal function, even when the environment around the organism is changing. Like to put homeostasis in layman's terms, it's just the ability of an organism to maintain steady on the inside, even when everything is unsure on the outside. You are an example of homeostasis. You are the temple of God and everything about you is reflective of a spiritual principle. And right now, I guess we are probably over temperature checks in our world. But if I was to check everyone's temperature and you actually came and you weren't sick tonight, sneaking in the building, somewhere around the range of 98.6 degrees would everybody read in here that had a normal temperature. Regardless of the snow outside or the heat outside, your body, actually, you don't recognize it, but while you sleep, while you wake, when you get in your car and drive, your body is working to maintain an internal temperature that does not change with the world around it. It's why if you get really, really cold, you shake and get chill bumps. It's your body trying to warm up. Or while you sweat when you get hot, it's your body trying to cool down because there's this target temperature that your body needs to be healthy and maintain optimal function. And it's called homeostasis. And this is what the Lord began to speak to me. He said, Devin, if my bride is going to be a glory zone, she has got to stop being seasonal and start being constant. That's a mouthful. If you're going to be a glory zone, you've got to stop being seasonal and start being constant, homeostatic, meaning the glory inside of me does not diminish with the environment around me. The joy of the Lord that God has given me does not change with circumstances around me. The peace of Jesus Christ that is rightfully gifted to me does not come and go on a daily basis with the storms raging around me. Jesus was homeostatic. 
It's why he could be on a boat and a storm be raging and he could be sleeping because his peace was stable and intact no matter what was going on around him. It's why Jesus actually did more ministry on his way to a location than he ever did when he reached the location. Because if you notice, if it was in a village in the morning or at Peter's mother-in-law's house in the middle of the night, he was operating in healing. He was operating in deliverance. He was operating in hope. In fact, open the pages of your Bible and find an off day for me, for Jesus. There was something burning inside of him that didn't go out and it didn't fade. And Jesus cried out in the garden in great distress of soul. Jesus wept at the tomb of Lazarus. Jesus rejoiced with his disciples. It did not mean he did not experience emotion and experience the effects in his flesh of what was happening around him, but he never let it change the spiritual temperature and core within him. And this is how our prayer life This is what the focus of our prayer life should be. It's not a a weekly high when we come to church on Sunday or an occasional high when we have a conference or maybe a quarterly encounter we have with God. But the Lord wants to make you a homeostatic bride that is walking daily in the glory. Let me just read you some scripture on that. Can you receive that tonight? In Leviticus 6 and 13, when the command was being given for the fire in the temple, it was said that the fire should burn all day, all night. It should burn continually and it should never go out. That's our firebrand, our old firebrand sweatshirts. They say, and the fire shall burn continually and never go out. Say homeostatic. It didn't matter if there were people in the temple or if it was just little Samuel tending the fire by night. There was a fire burning in the temple of God and there should be a fire burning in you. When you wake up in the morning, even on a day that you're tired and not feeling too well, there should be a Holy Ghost fire burning in you. When the Lord wakes you up at 3 a.m. and your body is tired and your mind is not coherent, there should be a Holy Ghost fire burning in you that can connect in your spirit. When you're on your job and you're facing opposition and your work environment is horrible, but your coworker is in need of Jesus or in need of a miracle, you should be able to to call on a fire. You shouldn't have to stop and, and try to muster up a fire and try to rub flint together in the spirit. There should be a fire burning inside of you. That's what made Jesus such an effective minister of the kingdom of God because he was constant. He did not change. But I fear that in our walk with God and our desire to be a glory zone that Maybe we have traded that homeostatic concept for ups and downs and highs and lows and an unpredictable spiritual walk with God. That if we have a bad day, 
then we're not really able to operate in the gift of healing or speak encouragement to someone who needs deliverance. But if we have just come out of school of prayer and we go to cookouts and somebody needs healing, there's a fire burning inside us and we're ready to go. But by Tuesday, our fire has already dwindled. God needs us to be constant. God needs this house to be constant. Please don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. But the Lord is no longer going to try to fit his glory in a seven-day series of meetings that an American church puts on their schedule every year. It's not about a revival week. It's about a revival church. And what I am praying and declaring and prophesying over this house is that it becomes a homeostatic environment, like the thermometer or that the thermostat in the back of the church sanctuary. It can be set to a certain temperature that if the air gets cold, the heat will kick in. And if it gets hot in here, the air will kick in. But that you experience a Sunday morning worship service where your physical temperature is constant. How much more incredible would it be if there is a glory presence that is constant over this house, whether people come or go. That's what a glory zone is. It's not if my favorite preacher is preaching or Pastor Tobin sings my favorite song or if a conference comes along or if Pastor Devin does a school of prayer and all of those are necessary for the fueling of the temperature of the environment, but they cannot be what you are dependent on for the glory of God to remain constant. I remember visiting um, the Brownsville Revival, which I refer to all the time for no other reason than I was just able to go and experience it. And it was such, had such an impact on my life. And whatever may have unraveled there, whatever may have happened, I'm just a pure testimony of an encounter with the glory of God that was unexplainable. And it was the middle of the day and our youth group was tired. We had been traveling and we stood in line in the parking lot. And when we finally got in the church, I'm going to be honest with you. It started in me during announcements. They were like making announcements telling us, you know, that the service was going to be in like 26 different languages and how you get your interpretation pack. And they were telling us how to scoot together and, and where to sit and when ministry would take place. And it was like wah, 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 because something was churning in my spirit. Because at that time, my heart was cold and with God and I was, I was living in a, in a place of despair and, and my heart was hard. And the Holy Spirit, the glory in that place began to work on me at announcements. Nobody worked it up. Nobody laid hands on me. Nobody sang my favorite song. Something just began to shift over me. Now I'm going to ask you to pause for just a second. You're not going to sleep to music tonight. Something began to shift in my heart during the announcements. And by the time I got to the preaching, I'm not saying it wasn't necessary. The word of the Lord was so necessary. But can I just tell you, we have learned in the United States how to make church happen. 
and we feel like the move of the Spirit is contingent upon the methods and the, and the strategies and the service flows we have created. And I'm here to tell you all that is important. Glorified worship, anointed worship is important. Anointed preaching of the Word is important. Flowing with a wave is important. I'm by no means throwing away service flow. I'm here to tell you when you hit a glory zone, there is no cookie cutter method for how you steer what God's going to do. His glory comes without assistance. It comes without help. It goes beyond our, our mental ability to wrap ourselves around it, and it goes straight for the Spirit. I was able to attend a church conference several years ago at a place that I consider a thin place and a glory zone. And it was the first time I had ever been in a conference where they did worship at the beginning and it was phenomenal, but the, the word started and then they started altar and the worship team didn't come back up. And I was like, what just happened? Like, where's the worship? I'm ready for the altar. And it was this dead silent as it is right now. And he stood up and he said, the glory of the Lord is here. And he's about to start healing bodies. And in awkward silence, with no assistance for the mood or the atmosphere, I listened to people jump up out of their seats from the balcony, from the back, screaming, I am healed, I am healed. I watched a man in front of me who had an issue with his shoulder. I watched him just sling it up and I heard it pop and he said, I am healed. And I thought, my my church, my, my North American churchized mind, my churchy mind, could not comprehend what was happening, right? There was no healing line. There was no altar call. Somebody just stood up and said, God's glory is here to heal. And like popcorn, it was happening all over the sanctuary. And before I knew it, I was on my face before the Lord. The fear of God was so strong in the place, I felt the wind of angel wings over my head. And that may be too much for you, but it was heavy for me. And I'm not here to, to knock how we do church. I love it. I believe the Lord moves through worship and moves through instruments and moves through the word. But I believe elements that the Lord has chosen to move through, we have decided to put him in the box of. And I want to take us to a place tonight in prayer where we understand the glory of the Lord can fall in a Walmart frozen food aisle. And he can meet you in your car when the preacher's not there. And you can have a life-changing encounter in the floor of your bedroom before you go to school in the morning. Because the glory of the Lord is bigger than the box we try to put church in. And I'm also here to prophesy there will be times in this glory zone that the glory of the Lord hits and we're not going to know what to do. And it's going to be a beautiful moment. There's this nervousness that creeps into a church building. Trust me, I have preached many, many places, and it happens everywhere I go. When there's a, a still moment or a silent moment or something turns and it's not on the schedule, there's this fear and this awkwardness that creeps into the hearts of people like, oh, no, we're not in control. What are we going to do next? But I'm here to tell you the Lord doesn't have those moments. 
and he is going to teach us how to ride the waves of his glory and remove him from a box of church structure that he might not always fit in in your daily life. This might be too much on Super Bowl Sunday. Shout back to me, homeostatic. It's time for us to contain an internal fire that burns and does not change despite what is going on around us. David's tabernacle was a homeostatic environment and worship, the incense of worship and prayer happened day and night, night and day. David literally took thousands of dollars and employed individuals simply to worship and pray around the clock in David's tabernacle. And, and there was a word I had hoped to release tonight. It was released last week. He going to prophesy tonight? He sent it to me about this being a house of Davidic worshipers. David was a Davidic worshiper, and he made the tabernacle not an annual visit, not just a feast that people would come and gather around the tabernacle, but he made it a homeostatic environment that if I went by the tabernacle at 2 p.m., I heard the prophecy, and I heard the worshipers, and I heard the instruments playing, and if I went at 2 a.m., I heard the prophesying, I heard the worshiping, I heard the instruments playing. David created a glory zone that was a homeostatic environment. We have to exit a season of immaturity where we are on again and off again because it is operating according to an inferior realm. The natural realm in which we lived is based on seasons. We are now in the season of winter, and so we saw snow on the ground this morning. And we will soon, somewhere about March 21st, exit winter and enter the season of spring and then summer and then fall. And we repeat that cycle all over again. And somehow in the church, we have adopted a seasonal mentality. But if you read scripture in heaven, there are no seasons. In Revelations 22 and 2, it says the tree of life bears a new fruit every month and its leaves are always in season. Because in a kingdom realm, in an eternal realm, we are not bound to the natural realm of seasons. So some of you are going to get real frustrated with me tonight, but I came to pull the covers off that lie and remove the excuse of seasons from your vocabulary. You are not bound to a natural realm. You are called to operate to a kingdom realm. Psalms 1 and 3 says a righteous man is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in every season whose leaf does not wither. The evergreen, always producing. How do I know that this is Jesus' expectation of us as the bride? Read Mark 11, starting in verse 12. The next day, as Jesus and his disciples were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to find if it had any fruit. And when he reached the fig tree, listen to this, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. 
It was not the natural season for figs. But did Jesus allow the fig tree to operate according to a natural cycle of seasons? No, because he was hungry. The kingdom of God was standing in front of a fig tree that was not in the season for fruit, yet Jesus demanded fruit from the tree. And he cursed the fig tree and said, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And the disciples heard him say it. And later when they exited the same town, that fig tree had dried up by the root. Seasonal Christianity will dry up by the root in the season the church is about to enter. We are about to enter a season in this nation that the church has not gone through before. Unchartered territory. And I'm here to tell you with unchartered territory comes unchartered glory. But I'm here to call you to a higher revelation than seasonal living. Because if you cannot maintain an eternal and internal temperature of the fire of God, then you will live a cycle of defeat in the season the church is about to walk in because Jesus is going to look at the bride in an inconvenient time and an inconvenient season and demand fruit from us. But I'm here to tell you when you are planted by the rivers of living water, you can bear fruit in any season. For all of my young preachers in here and people who feel called to ministry, the greatest lie you will ever buy is that you will only preach and minister good sermons when you're in a good place. The Lord will right on purpose put you in a position where you have to pour out on your worst day. He will make sure, Christina's waving at me, he will make sure you get cut off on the interstate. He'll make sure your kids puke all over your dress. He'll make sure your spouse goes crazy. He'll make sure everything around you is overturned with chaos right at the moment you're supposed to minister. And you will make the mistake of saying out of your mouth, I can't do this. And God will say, exactly, and you're not supposed to. He will intentionally pull your flesh right out of the circumstance, and he'll say, now I can actually get the glory for what's about to come out of your mouth. And I am telling my, on myself, but some of the times that people have come to me and said, that was so anointed, that was so powerful, that was so deep, I will look at my children, and they will look at me and say, well, that was the grace of God. And the moment you think you have anything to do with the glory of God coming or going or flowing. The moment you think you are the one who steers the ship will be the moment on your best day when you fasted the most and you prayed the longest that you will get up and preach the worst sermon of your life. This is too real tonight. And God will say, well, how did that feel doing that on your own? What am I saying Quit offering excuses when Jesus asks you for fruit. But Lord, do you know what I'm going through? Lord, do you know what mistakes I've made? Lord, do you know what my day's been like? Lord, do you know what my year's been like? Lord, do you know where I am right now? All of these are excuses that make us lack the homeostatic environment required to reflect the kingdom of God. 
But when you realize it has nothing to do with you and it's all about him, your prayer life will go to another level. Your fruitfulness will go to another level. When you realize you can be at the drive-thru with the worst headache of your life and that young lady asks you for prayer and instead of thinking, well, Lord, I don't have any fire flowing within me, you'll say, God, I don't really matter right now, so I'm going to call on you, Holy Spirit, to stir up the gift within me. And you open your mouth and you be an agent of the Holy Spirit and you watch her be set free. It will change how much you value yourself in the equation of the glory. The Lord just asks you to be a willing, yielded, empty vessel. And so our prayer life cannot be conditional upon our circumstances. It cannot be conditional upon our trials. And it cannot be conditional upon our moves and our moods. And I, I just want to say it out loud. I said it to my students. 2020 was a very exposing moment for the body of Christ. Devin Wallace included. The Lord disarmed us of so many convenient excuses. Because there was a season in our lives where we could say, Father, I am so busy. And Father, I got to be here and I got to be there and I got to do this. And 2020 was God's magic eraser where he just took our list of priorities and our schedule for the next 12 months and wiped it clean. And said, excuses are gone. Now what are you going to do? And most of us found time was not our problem. Passion was. Most of us found that the reason why the Lord didn't really heed our excuses is he saw the empty veil and the empty shell they really were. We were far too steered by our emotions, by our circumstances, and our pursuit of God, and our consistency in his presence depended on how good we felt and how good life was. Oh, this is hard. I really didn't mean to get this hard tonight. And we recognized that our outside environment was really controlling our spiritual temperature. The reason why the ark was successful in the flood is because it could be in the water without the water being in it. So profound, I know. But that was it. God built something to float on water that would not take water in. And I'm here to tell you, you have to be a living ark in the season in which we're living. You've got to be able to float in the culture and float in the water without opening the door for the chaos to come to your internal homeostatic environment. If you can't watch the news and keep your victory, turn it off. If you can't go to your job and keep your victory, you need to set your, you thought I was going to say quit your job, but you need to set your alarm an hour earlier in the morning and don't even pray in English because your mind's not in the right place. Just pray in the Holy Ghost for an hour before you go to work and see if your fire doesn't stay lit when everyone else around you is trying to put it out. So hard word tonight, but we are building a glory zone. And what I do not want to see is a temporary explosion of the glory of God that dwindles when life hits and dwindles when culture hits and dwindles when opposition hits because we do not have the infrastructure to maintain a fire even in the middle of a storm.
And the Lord is building a remnant, even in this house, with a fire that burns day and night, night and day. Even when you're sick, the fire's burning. Even when your heart is breaking, the fire's burning. Even when your mind is troubled, the fire's burning. Even when your family's in chaos, the fire's burning. And you're going to find that your external environment does not have to have the remote control to your soul and your spirit. Homeostatic. And I am praying for a fire and a glory to hit this house that can remain constant. That we don't say, I wonder if God is going to move on Wednesday. I wonder if he's going to be at Firebrand on Wednesday night. I wonder if he's going to show up at noon prayer. Or I wonder what might happen at reset tonight. That we walk on this property and the fire that was burning when we left is still burning when we return. And the fire within us that was lit with the last encounter has not diminished for the next encounter. And we we keep going from glory to glory to glory. Some of you have lived a life of glorious, glorious experiences that are simply a repeat. Because you experience a level of glory and you let life rob it from you. So then you come back and you experience a level of glory and you let circumstances rob it from you. You experience a season of passion and prayer and the fire starts burning and then life and excuses hit and the fire goes out. And your Christian experiences have been limited to level one of glory. And the Lord is wanting to take us to a place of encounter where we go from glory and we are able to maintain that fire. And so we go to another glory. And we are able to maintain that fire. And so we go from glory to glory. And you say, Pastor Devin, how many levels of glory are there? Well, I guess we would have to interview Enoch, who reached such a level of glory. He walked with God, and one day he just wasn't there anymore. And until you come to church and I'm just not here anymore, we have not reached the height of glory that we are able to experience while we are here on earth. So I just want to pray over our minds tonight that we can remove the mentality that we've seen it all. And I want to remove from our prayer language and our minds tonight, some of you are going to get really upset with me, but we are also not here to recreate something that has already happened. I'm ready to go to the next glory. Father, I thank you for yesterday's fire. I thank you for what you did 10 years ago. I even thank you for what you did seven years ago on this night and this house. But if all we do is return to that level of glory, then we have not been a homeostatic environment. We should go to another level of glory, and there should be another dimension that God is able to pour out in this house. So I want to remove from our vocabulary in prayer and intercession, Father, I've seen that. Father, I've done that. And I want to remove from our vocabulary of intercession, God, would you do that again? Can't it be like that again? And I want us to start praying un 
unchartered prayers, prayers in unchartered territory that dares to say to the Lord, Father, I want a fire that starts in me that never diminishes, and I am ready to go to a level I have never been before. I'm ready to see you in a dimension I have never seen you before. I don't care if it makes me comfortable. I don't care if it fits in a former model. I don't care if it fits with what is convenient for me. Whatever it looks like, whatever it sounds like, come Lord Jesus. And what I feel in my spirit, certainly from online, probably nowhere in this room, is that some of you actually don't believe or have the faith to believe there is more. And I'm going to give you the profound revelation of Damon Thompson during the 90-day outpouring when we were trying to determine how long do we go? How long is service? Because right now, we have learned to end service as the wave diminishes. But what are we going to do when there is no diminishing of the glory? And you just have to say, I guess it's time to go home, and I'll just kind of come back tomorrow, and it will still be here. <laughs> See, you don't know how to handle that. We, we come, and we expect something to die, and we leave. But what are you going to do when the fire doesn't die? And there's a glory zone here so that when you come to noon prayer, it's just as hot as Sunday morning service. And you have to make a conscious decision in your mind. I guess I'm full right now. I can't take anymore, so I'll go ahead and leave. <laughs> That's what I'm praying for. What are we going to do when it, it doesn't diminish and there's a glory zone that remains. And we are no longer believing for another revival, but we are spending our time praying for wisdom on how to navigate a wave that is bigger than we ever thought could crash upon us. Damon's profound revelation was this. Well, Pastor Kevin and Devin, I guess we'll just stop where we stop because that's where we stopped. You need to write that down. That would be a good tattoo. It's a joke. Just stop where you stop because that's where you stop. Because we stop because we think we've reached the end. But when you recognize the glory of the Lord is like an ocean and there is no end, you just stop where you stop because that's where you stop. But God doesn't stop where you stop. I'm ready for more. I am not satisfied. I have not seen it all. There are experiences I've read about and manifestations of the glory of God I've heard about that my children haven't seen yet, I've experienced yet. I'm going to pray something on you that you may get mad at me later. But I carry a profound jealousy for the presence of the Lord. It may not be a godly thing. I'm not sure. All I know is if you tell me something you experience in God that I haven't, it's going to drive me bananas until I encounter it. It's just like you're 
your spouse or the person you love, like you gotta know everything. You, you can't imagine not knowing everything. And if there is a level of God to be experienced that I haven't experienced, you may go to bed at night and nothing stir within you, but there is this profound jealousy I have. Maybe it's my competitive nature that I'm gonna look at Kimmy and say, you're not gonna out experience God on me because I want him. I want all of him. And when we reach a place of arrival, we will stop, but the glory will not stop. And I'm here to tell you, the Brownsville revival may have stopped. The revival in Ontario may have stopped. Azusa Street may have stopped. And any other divine encounter where the glory of God was poured out may have stopped. But the glory did not stop. And everything God wanted to pour out in the earth was not poured out in those strategic moments. There is still more. And I'm just going to issue a random crazy challenge. I do this with my students sometimes. I'll just come in and play videos of past moves of God. The crazy ones where they're like laughing and rolling down the aisle for two hours. Or the ones where Rodney Howard Brown is trying to hand a microphone to someone and a preacher who is very intelligent and is in the middle of a sentence will just go mute and can't speak and fall like a dead man in the glory. Some of you are like, I've never seen that. Go YouTube it. And I will bring it in just to shock the religion right out of them. Just to show them you haven't seen everything yet. That happened 15 years ago. I'm so glad we experienced God last Sunday. But God is an awesome God and he is to be encountered. And there are dimensions of him we have not seen yet. From glory to glory to glory. And it's going to require a homeostatic environment. I want this to be a glory-friendly zone where we keep the glory in and the culture out, where we keep faith in and doubt out, where we keep childlike pursuit in and religious stagnation out. And I want my heart to be that place. So I just want you to place your hands on your head, your chest, your knee, however you want to lay hands on yourself. We're going to begin to seek the Lord, but I want to pray this word over you. And then we're going to stretch our hands forth and pray it over this house. Father, on this incredible anniversary day and Super Bowl Sunday, The people before me, Lord, are hungry. We are hungry. We are famished for you. Lord, I I can't describe it, but I have tasted and seen dimensions of your glory that just leave me wanting more. I am ruined forever by your presence. And Lord, I just pray over this group of individuals before me right now. As they lay their hands on themselves, I just feel your fire burning. Lord, we are done with living by a seasonal, carnal pattern and cycle in our lives. 
We are not bound to this natural realm, but you have called us to exhibit the kingdom of God. And your kingdom is not confined to seasons. And your kingdom is fruitful in every season. We are to be instant in season and out of season, ready at all times. And so, Father, I just pray over each individual in this sanctuary right now that you would make them a homeostatic temple of your fire and your glory. Right now, Father, for those who are like roller coasters in the spirit, because, Lord, there are so many reasons to be. There are storms raging all around us. But Lord, we are in this world, but not of it. We are the ark that is floating in it, but it does not have to control our spirit. And I just want to speak to someone's spirit right now that has been bound by heaviness and and depression for far too long because of outward circumstances. Do you know your tears can flow and you can weep from your eyes and still have a core of kingdom joy in your heart all at the same time? Lord, I pray right now you would begin to stabilize your people in this house, your remnant. Light a fire that burns when we are awake and burns when we are asleep. Stabilize our internal temperature. Lord, we just take our excuses and we wad them up and we throw them at your feet. We give you permission to call upon us to bear fruit even when it's inconvenient. We call upon you, we we give you permission to call upon us to bear fruit even when we don't feel like it. And we give you permission to stir our heart to prayer even when it's not a convenient time. Make us homeostatic, Father. Make us consistent in the Spirit. Would you just pray that over yourself right now? Forgive us, Father, for being independable and inconsistent, so easily distracted. I'm going to tell you, I just felt a wind come in this place. You, Some of you may not be praying this seriously, but some of you may, and I'm here to tell you it's happening. I just felt a wind. It was almost like one of those big things they used to use to blow air on a fire. I just feel the Lord turning up the temperature, turning up the temperature in you, turning up the temperature in this house. Oh, fire of God, burn in this place and let us keep a flame burning that will not diminish. Lord, we're not going to limit you to our Sunday morning gatherings or limit you to our altar services. We want to experience you in our car on the way home, at our kitchen tables. 
let the glory come in right in the middle of dinner when we're not expecting it. And may our children begin to feel your presence at the kitchen table. May our car rides to school be filled with the fire of the Holy Ghost. Lord, I pray somebody in here is going to have to pull over because the Holy Ghost is going to come upon them on a car ride so real and so strong. They're going to have to pull over just to maintain safety because the glory is overwhelming them. Lord, we let you out of our box. We let you out of our parameters. And we ask you to come. As Katie Haskell prophesied today, just cry, come. And when he comes, you don't tell him what to do or how to do it or when to do it. He's the guest that when you say come, you just open up every room. You open up the whole house and you say, have your way, Father. Have your way without limits and without boundaries. And so right now, Father, in this house, in the spirit, we just open the doors and we say, come, come in this place, come in this place in a way we cannot turn you on and we cannot turn you off and where the world cannot diminish your glory. Let this be a glory zone where the angels of the Lord ascend and descend. So Father, blow on the fire of our hearts even now. Every student, every parent, every grandparent, every adult, let the fire burn. Let the fire burn. I just, I'm telling you, something's coming alive in some of you tonight and you're not gonna know what to do when you get home. The Spirit of the Lord is gonna come upon you at the most inconvenient times. You're gonna feel it burning in your belly and burning in your hands. It's gonna be like fire shut up in your bones while you're at the gas station trying to pay for your gas. And you're gonna say, Lord, what is this? And he's gonna say, you told me to come. And I'm here. Oh, yeah, that makes so... 